Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello Broncos fans and welcome to the round three review slash round four preview episode of Broncos Weekly. As always, I'm Mitch and I'm joined at the line by our good friend Simo. How are you doing Simo? Oh mate, just looking forward to the weekend already. But mate, uh, Have you yeah. got a long weekend up there? You don't, do you? I uh, don't think so. Probably not. We got, yeah. Actually, we got one soon because we got show holiday in a week or so. I'm, I'm not sure exactly when it is, but it's got to be soon. Yeah, we've got Queen's birthday this week, and as always in Australia, the Queen's birthday celebrated in different times. Yeah, we ours used to be, it would have been this weekend probably, but we moved it back to October, I think, because in Queensland, all of our public holidays are in the first four months of the year. Yeah, it's fucked. Um, I mean, it's a good four months, though. Yeah, like, I think, uh, yeah. I think everyone's now, is everyone's June... And then you guys in WA are like near October. I think WA is a different date to you as well. Yeah. Oh, God, like when you, you, guys. you come off Christmas holidays and you, you get a long weekend every three weeks is pretty good start to the year. <laughs> and then you get you hit that last one and you're like, man, it's seven months till Christmas. It's a long slog. Just eases you back in, mate. Just eases you slowly back in. <laughs> and then, yeah. Yeah, definitely. There's so many this period, though. As you, uh, same thing, even like in Sydney as well. There's less towards the end of the year, and you're kind of like, you're begging for some more of when it comes to the end of the year, just because you get so used to um, having three day weeks. Because I've had, like, there's another one, there was one a few weeks ago, another one now. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Okay, I guess we should um, get into this bloody forsaken thing. <laughs> well, do we want to. Broncos don't have much news, but we got some news this week. I don't know if you want to talk about that. Oh, you can talk about it, mate. Why not? Oh, you know more than me about it. You can talk. <laughs> okay. Well, if you listen to NL Boom Rookies, you'd know we uh, we've joined we joined the Acast Network, and you would have heard some ads on on that podcast and a few other benefits we've got from that. Anyway, uh, Broncos Weekly is now also joined the Acast family, so you'll probably hear some ads on this podcast. But finally, me and Simo will get, you know, four or five dollars a month or something from advertising money for, <laughs> for our, our effort. It'd be great. Can't wait to get that half a pot of gold every two months down the local. Well, mate, my... at least it saves us paying. Like, it's, it, it, we're not paying for a uh, podcast provider anymore, which is fantastic. Yeah, well, that's a plus. That's the, probably the main benefit is, yeah, not having to pay for that. <laughs> so it's, it's pretty free from here. We've got our bikes and, yeah. That's it. Um, it won't affect anyone who's downloading it now. You've got a podcast redirect, but that's it. We'll be publishing from there in the future. And maybe you get some of those graphics that don't do anything, but I like doing them anyway. If I do for the Boom Rookies Twitter account. I like doing those little videos. Maybe you'll get some for this. And no one will care but me. <laughs> yeah, well, I, uh, 
once we stop recording, it's about 13 minutes later once I've edited and uploaded. That's the last I think about this show for another week. <laughs> <laughs> it won't be me doing those. Yeah, it's um, we used to, when we used to win well, I used to be like, oh, I can't wait to podcast. But it's been a while since we've won well against a good team and I was like, I can't wait to podcast. <laughs> when it was like 2016 and we were good and it was like, I wanted to podcast more than two times a week. Like two yeah. wasn't enough. And then it's now you you got this rabble and you're just like, oh man, it's Tuesday night already. <laughs> yeah, but we're still doing it. But as you said, I remember 2016, you're like, mate, we're predicting 13 plus every week. They happen. You're like, this is great. Let's do another pod, 13 plus. <laughs> and remember too, this is before you worked in the stats and we had the betting segment. Yeah. And I, how many, I can't remember how many units we ended up in the positive when we ended that segment, but it was massive because we kept getting on Corey Oates at like plus $4 for first try score and it kept coming off. Yeah, you hit some dumb multi that was like Corey Oates first try scorer and then the Broncos 13 plus and somebody else to score a double or something from memory, wasn't it? Some dumb thing that was like 21 bucks. I think there was one I had where it was like Andrew McCulloch to kick a 40-20, Corey Parker to miss the first conversion. That was always a favorite of mine, missed first con- first conversion because <laughs> you'd multi that into Corey Oates' first try score and obviously, you know, Parker's not kicking a conversion from the wing. Um, oh, they, they were the days. Yeah, and I mean... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> those are the days those are the days when also Corey Oates scored like any tries just like one <laughs> yeah oh, God. anyway we're going to keep doing what we did in last week's episode we thought we may as well answer questions first because obviously they kind of cover the news and also some other discussion points so we thought we'd do the, the fan questions first then we'll talk about last week's game and then this week's depressing preview <laughs> will be um, a real treat for dedicated fans yeah it's uh it was some game. Um, right, I'll start on Facebook here from Thomas Mangan. What the F was that last week? So disappointing. I thought they would have had a point to prove, especially against the Eels. Keen to see what Tessie and Pakes do. What, sorry, what they have to show us. How does JWH get just a fine for his hits when TPJ gets four weeks? I wish King for Landys would fix the MRC too. Uh, well, <laughs> mate, you know, uh, Victor Radley also just got off of the judiciary, so they're down no troops and... Um... I feel like the Broncos, I've always said this, we should fight the judiciary more. We've only done it like the free Hodjo night, but we also, when we, we fought with Pangai once, it didn't go very well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, TPJ gets, he's a victim of his own stupidity, really. You, yeah, know, you get yeah. loading and carryover points and all that. Well, that's why I was shocked AJH got off, because not because I thought he deserved to miss time, but because he also has a bad track record, like Pangai, I was like certain he's missing this game, but no, <laughs> he's fine. Um, as for what you said, what what the hell happened last week? Um, yeah, we got that reality check. I kind of forgot that I hated Anthony Seabold's Broncos. <laughs> <laughs> Eight weeks and I've forgotten it. We won the first two games. This is the immediate reminder that this is still the same team from last year with some way, some ways to go, especially when someone like a Dave Fafita or if, even for Payne Haas misses a game. We're such a team carried by a certain few individuals that like once one of them's gone, it's not pretty. Yeah, I mean, pretty much all the teams I support is just a quagmire of mediocrity and it just swaps around who I hate the most. But at the moment, I think the Broncos are the worst team I support <laughs> in a, a pool that's the Bengals and the Suns. And uh, it just, you see this effort and you're just mad. Yeah, oh, I mean, the yeah, we'll talk about that game later. Let's, let's, we'll talk about it in the review. Let's move on to the next question. 
Um, righto, from Paul Weatherson. Terps injury, have you got any further information on this or is it a hoax? Um, attacking, who do we need to click to get the pack going? More debuts this week. How many will the Roosters put past us? I think if the Roosters don't win by 30, they are shit. Although I'll be cheering a Broncos win. Come on, you Broncos. Yeah, look, Turpin, that injury reporting is weird because it came out he missed training because he was sore, which is like, okay, if he's sore, he'll probably play Thursday. But now it's like he's got an injury knee. Sorry, injury knee, a knee injury. There's no real reports on how long it'll be. I heard someone say it might be a couple of weeks. I don't know what the hell happened. But it's um, not lost on me that he had his first 80 minutes, had to make like 70 tackle attempts, and then he's missing games from soreness. (laughs) <laughs> already not a great sign yeah um, um and then the de- debutants uh yeah obviously we've got tessie newey who i'm a big fan of I'm, I'm stoked he's debuting but it's also like there's so many children playing again this week Corey pakes is debut is going into the nine most likely another talented guy i'm keen on seeing playing but the roosters are going to put 30 on us hey I- I- i'd be shocked if they don't like Again, I'm not allowed to bet or even give betting advice, but when they were negative six at the start of the week, I think you pointed that out, Simo. They were only the line was only six. It's still only seven and a half. It should it's, be more than that. Should be way more than that. Um, yeah, I, I said this too earlier in the week, but it reminded me of that the lead up to a Broncos Knights game way back, where the line was like minus. 17 or something for the Broncos and everyone was like well that's a massive line and it ended up 53 nil like you just know this game is only going to end one way yeah that was like when the Knights just started to be shit and people weren't ready for that and I'm not saying we're starting to be shit but this team this week you've got to put it in perspective it's not even the fact that there's a lot of talented young fellas in it but it's like the fact that you've got all new edge combinations pretty much both sides of this field like Herbie and Jesse barely played first grade. They're starting on one edge. With Hoppawati, who's barely played first grade next to him. With Brody Croft, who can't defend. That's one edge. And then the other edge is Oates, who's in career-worst form. Darius Boyd, who's Darius Boyd. Uh, Ethan Bullimore, who's not really a back rower, also in his first four first grade games. And then Anthony Milford, who you know, hasn't been in the world's best form in the last year or so anyway. That's the edges. And then you've got a, a rookie hooker against a team that the Roosters absolutely feast in, on the edges and in those channels, I'll be shocked if it's not over 20 or 30. Yeah, might have a look at Sportsbet a bit later on. <laughs> Myself. Um, An alternative line, mate. You can sneak one in there, one of the massive handicaps. I just, I'll have to do the message them where they, you can set your own line and just put the line at like minus 73 or something for the Roosters. God. Minus um, 33. Well, minus 32 now just pulled it up as $11.50. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the more you put on, the more you get back. Uh, from Sean Radloff, why is Croft doing 99% of the kicking when Milford has a bigger boot? Milford kicked for 76 metres. That did my absolute head in. <laughs> it's just, obviously a plan. Yeah, it's like... They got told that Croft is supposed to be the organising half that does the kicking, and so they're making him do that, like, even though it's not working. Yeah, it's like, and they kept, and it was more, it was deliberate because obviously they kept setting up on fifth tackle on the right-hand side, set up for Croft to kick, but they're just the least threatening midfield bombs. I could understand it, maybe through some other kicking variations they wanted to try, but like, Anthony Milford might have the best midfield bomb in the game. And we didn't use it. He's always troubled people with his bombs, like... Yeah, he kicked, what did he kick? He said 76 metres. He kicked four times to cross 11, but again, cross one of those guys that like, they don't even sound nice when he kicks them. 
you know? Um, from David Ryland, he said, I don't care about losing anymore. I just want to see the boys run around. Just let them play. That's it. Okay. That's an attitude of like when your son's getting participation awards. <laughs> it's not about the score. I mean, I'm just proud of my boys. I get the point in a, like when people often say, I think there's a question here somewhere that um, kind of asks a bit about this, but kind of like, what would you be happy with next week or whatever? And it's like, even if you end up losing, you're just happy if they play, like they don't give up halfway through and they put in a solid effort, you know. Like if if Broncos lost by say eight points, and put in a, played a good game, like I would be fairly happy with that. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm in a spot, mate. You know, looking at now, and I'm not making this about Wayne, but I'm envious of another team's new coach, and it's the bloody Newcastle Knights' new coach for Christ's sake. Like that team, as we know, has gone to piss forever. Anytime a team put any pressure on them, they crumbled and lost by forty or fifty. But just this last week, they lose Pierce and Watson early, have Glasby go for a HIA and come back. And they come back from 14-0 down to draw. Those are the efforts to be proud of. I want that, like, we can cop losses, right? We've been there. We've lost games and you've come out and gone, you know what? We, we slogged it out and, we, you know, the team put, sold their guts out and we held it, stayed in that game. That's what I want to see. No, I know we're going to lose. Like, maybe we might win. I'll be shocked if we win. But I can cop a loss, as you said, Simo. Keep the score tight. Some signs of positivity or whatever. But a loss like last week when we were like, Okay, I'm not going to say what I'm going to say, but we just didn't even live, give ourselves a chance to get back in the game. Like we dropped the ball on first tackle multiple times. We dropped two tries. It's like are you guys even switched on. Do you give a shit? And especially because it's essentially whichever way you call it, round one of the new season, round three. Like it's the start of a season. Like if you're going to give up in a game, I care less if it happens in a finals match with 20 minutes left when you're already down by 30. Like you know. You're not coming back and winning that. It's the end of the season. But if you give up in at the start of a season in in a game there, like I care much more about that then. Like mm-hmm. Yeah. This is still a final scene, by the way. We're gonna make the finals again, but it feels like it's gonna be this season started strong with those first two wins, but now it feels like it's gonna be like last year where we get to a negative like because with injuries, we can't help those, but we've, we've lost against the Eels. We'll probably lose to the Roosters, probably lose to Manly, probably lose to the Knights. You know, we're going to be 2-4 and four and have to fight our way back from that. I still think it's a final side, but uh, yeah, it just feels like we're going to have a bit of a lull right now that even without Seabold probably couldn't have been prevented considering the injuries. Yeah, like um, you look at those four and it looks like you'd lose them all, but I don't think we will lose them all because that would just be too bad like Seabold has to win one of them so that he can kind of half look okay yeah he has to I mean what, what, I mean, the injury injury list is getting pretty ridiculous for how early in the year is it what is it Glenn's out again Fafita's still out Payne Guy's suspended he's back for that Knights game probably Glenn back for that Knights game Kahu's out like we, we wouldn't play him anyway but Sean O'Sullivan's out Keenan Paliasi is out Jack Bird's out and then also Jake Turpin now and Katoni Stagg suspended that's nine players, and also Isaiah Parisi being stood down, and we let two guys go. <laughs> like, yeah, you can't help that that one much when there's a thirty-man squad in the first place. I'm surprised we have enough cattle to even put name a twenty-one at this point. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a few people out. Um, right, yeah, from Scotty Jim, he said tactics to combat fatigue. I mean, I haven't thought about this enough, but in that game, that 
and the, and the Raiders did it against the Storm, but we can see that first try off that second re- set restart. I have no idea, the second six again, sorry. I have no idea why, and I guess the answer is probably why none of our team is smart enough, but just go offside. Get, jump, like, jump at marker, make, be not square at marker, dive on the ball early, do something dumb and give an obvious penalty away. Like, that's, what we have to, that's how you stop the roll. It was still the same as the rules were before. You know, to stop a roll on the pass, you gave penalties away. You can still do it. You just got to give a different one away. Yeah, or you just, you know, do a ball strip. You do one of the penalties that isn't a six again. You can still do the exact same bloody thing. And, and it's, I don't know why we didn't do it in that situation, but that's how you can slow that down. Otherwise, the combat fatigue is, is probably what we'll see increasing over the coming weeks, I think, will be kicking the ball into touch. You can't stop them doing that. Yeah, I think you're yeah, asking for our team to be like situationally aware there, and that's not something we've been for years. It's not. I think well, the thing I was most disappointed in in that game too, by the way, is just like the same old thing with leadership we've always had, but it's just like we shoot ourselves in the foot and they just stand around quiet. And it's like, oh, somebody say something. <laughs> oh, but, you know, you make Croft your leader. That's yeah, what mate. you get. But he's chatty at the nines. Um. Josh Donovan has asked why we don't auto schedule posts because I always put a post up for questions about half an hour before we start recording. Well, because we also don't auto schedule times we record. Yeah. <laughs> um, and lastly, on Facebook here from Vince. Oh man, I'm going to murder this. Sorry, but Berling Gary sounds um, good to me. <laughs> he said, "I'm loving the Seabold bashing. Keep it up, boys." And yeah. I don't have the to tell po- me twice. Yeah, the positivity last week, as we said, we got some of those questions. Is Seabold actually good now? And we, we luckily, me and you still were like, "Hey, a long way to go." <laughs> Just a um, long way to go. Backstepping for a sec, because I remember I was going to say something about this when you're talking about the Knights. I've decided that Adam O'Brien being there is a win-win for me because either if the Knights keep losing, like you know, I'm happy with that. But the more that he wins with the same team Nathan Brown had, like the better that is for me too. So, um. But yeah, yeah, I'm with you there, mate. That's like, I, it is quite funny seeing most of the Knights fans going, "Hey, you know what? Brown actually was shit." Well, <laughs> obviously one in particular. <laughs> yeah. Um, righto. Over under Twitter now. With there's only uh, there's a few here now. Um, but from Corey Goats first up, he said, "Any ideas for new Twitter handles for a Broncos player asking for a friend?" <laughs> yeah, poor Corey. It's uh, um, it's yeah. You've got to stick with it. It's dropped off hard. Uh, you've, you've just got to be like, yeah, you got to stick through it till retirement, I think. You do. And I've, I've, and he's actually um, what activated his option to stay here for the next two seasons. And I almost feel for him because he's been taking all those unders deals every year for like three years, waiting to like finally get paid. And nope, this form hits when he finally, and that's it. So he's taken his extended again. But it is weird seeing him in such a, a long stretch of poor form, our poor boy, Corey. Yeah, I just wonder how much of it is to do with Boyd near him, just being like a general like Bermuda Triangle of football ability. I, I totally think that's part of it, and I, I didn't want to say I'm glad you said it, because often we get accused of just using that as a parent cop-out sometimes of players, blaming those around them. But as we know, I think Otis, I think it's still he scored one try since Boyd hit that side of the field. And it's like, Corey Oates is a bit of a confidence player. I reckon if we get him over for a couple of tries, he'll improve a little. 
But it's also one of those things where he has made some mistakes in these games, but and he has his yardage hasn't been there as much either. But like, what's the impact he's supposed to make on a game when we've just been like our forwards outside Payne Haas were fucking dog shit against the Eels. What impact he's supposed to have on a game there? You know, it's like the same thing where people are getting mad at Milford. It's like, come on, boys! Like, the game was lost before those guys even got the ball. Yeah, I mean, you just. We had the ball for what was it like twenty minutes all game? How, how are you supposed to do much with that? And then even last year, before as you said, he scored like one since boys moved there. Before he moved there, he was scoring like he always was. He wasn't having a problem scoring tries then. He wasn't. He scored three with with Darius moved there. My apologies. He scored around eighteen. He scored a double. He scored one against the Titans, and now he hasn't scored since. And he's on a I ten think... game scoring drought. Fuck, that's long for Corey. Considering, as you said, he was almost a tr- he was at one point most prolific try scorer in Broncos history, most tries per game, and also he, you know, his career seasons, you know, fourteen tries, 18, 16, 18, when he's a winger, like he was pretty much almost a try a game. Yeah. Uh, Righto, from Aaron J Rose. Scale of one to Seabold. How after we this week? Full Seabold. <laughs> Never go fully Seabold. 5 a.m. Seabold, mate. We're full Seabold <laughs> F this week. Uh, from Pythago NRL. The loss to Para was pretty bad. No question. Just a comment. Um, <laughs> Denny Boy, 1995. I love that. From Denny Boy, 1995. Would you consider a 69 to nil loss a nice result or depressing? Because that's what's coming. Uh, it's just... Mate, it's... It's like when that grand fought, we lost to by Parrot at 58-0, I thought things would change. And actually, I've decided I hate that loss now because it gets brought up every three days. So now 69-0 will be depressing because they'll just get brought up forever. We've been like the Knights fans when everyone's celebrating 53 and Hill. We're like, it's not nice to laugh at team from the disadvantage. <laughs> <laughs> no, the 58-0 doesn't count because we're a bad football side. Yeah. <laughs> um, from Vodka94, is it too early to get Tex Hoy Rookie of the Year tattooed on my body? Uh, wrong podcast, but well, yes. His picture is Jack Bird with a mullet wearing a Broncos jersey, so I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure where that one's happened. Because oh, because but... of, of Boom Rookies Hoy Boys, that's what he's getting on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Hoy Boys. King Wally one. Why doesn't Seabold cop criticism for his selections or tactics or anything from the media? He's been here for over a year now, and it keeps getting worse. He's made decent roster moves, but still makes the wrong decisions and falls ass backwards into some choices, a la Asako. Why has he, for the most part, got a free ride when he's at a club that's expected to get top four year in, year out, and he's treating us like he's at the Titans? I don't know, mate. Like, I, like really killed me listening to the press conference again this week, and he said this stuff a couple of times last year, but there's, there's, there's times he says, you know, the good teams are doing this. And he, what he's meaning is teams outside of us. He's like, you know, the good teams are doing that. And we want to be doing what the good teams are doing. And it's like, mate, like, what are you saying? You can't you can't be the Brisbane Broncos coach and admit you are not one of the good teams. You know what that reminded me of? And just was in soccer when Alex Ferguson retired and Manchester United thought David Moyes would be a good manager. Yeah. And... In his press conference, he was saying how, like, he was happy to get a draw against Everton and, like, stuff like that. And it's yeah. like, you can't... I think, like, Manchester United back then, obviously a bigger club than Broncos has been, more successful than Broncos have been and everything. But I, I think the, the similarity kind of works in that Broncos is one of those clubs you can't be saying that sort of stuff at. 
and expect to keep a job long, I think. That's it, man. He was saying last year he was saying it about the Roosters at first, and I could almost cop that because it's the Roosters, but I was upset then because we'd just been beating the Roosters before that year. But you can't say that about this Parramatta side. Yes, they finished fourth last year. They're not that bloody good. They were only up by six at half time with all that field position, all that all that possession, all that time in possession. And we should have been up because we dropped two tries. They're not that bloody good. Yeah, exactly. I hate that. But yeah, you're saying the criticism... I don't know why the criticism doesn't come. I think it's more so because Brisbane media are trying to like, kiss his ass. Like You'll see every few weeks and you'll see Chris Gary, Pete Bedell, all those, all those guys, all those sicker fans out there talking about the latest genius idea Anthony Seabold's come up with, which is from like a 1995 How to Coach for... So How to Coach How to Dummies book. You know, you think he's the guy who invented those kind of things. We get all that praise. They hate praise and all of it and I don't know why they do it. Obviously, they want to keep the club on side, but like... He just keeps escaping criticism, and I guess he he might get put under the microscope once he can no longer blame Wayne Bennett. But like, or sorry, fans can no longer blame Wayne Bennett. But what I've learned from other clubs is that apparently goes for like six years. Like, it's already now. It's too much. It's, this is his squad already. You know, if you ask me. Yeah, well, I, I am definitely looking forward to twenty twenty five. That year when it's yeah. finally Seabold's team. That's it. And it, but this is you know a lot of the decisions, the roster decisions of last year or so have all been his. So, I mean, in the end, he's moved enough people out that I think if there was other, if there was people at the club he didn't like and didn't want them here, he would have done something about it. Like, he would have moved. you've kept the people that you want to keep, and I think you've moved on the people you want to move on. Yeah, you can't just you can't blame Wayne for half a decade more. You can't, and I love the Ben Teo signing, and this is one of the reasons I'd love it if it happens, and it might happen since the Sunwolves uh, just cancelled their season. He's an actual adult man. <laughs> like all our depth is children. I said this over the off season. Like I was, I would have killed for this one one experience forward. Even if you just just hang around that pack, maybe not even start. Like, but we haven't. The only experience what we have is Glenn, and there's just a bit of Nouse missing from our pack, and a bit of that. Like when we're down and out of games, it's like Payne Haas carting the ball and nobody else. Yeah, I think. As well as like at training and stuff, you know, Bentio yeah. is a professional person. He's won a premiership at Rabbitohs. Was one of their best players for that stint. He's played like rugby at different clubs. You just know he's going to know how to train properly, rev people up that needs it. Like, and yeah, as you said, an actual human man at the club. That's it. Yeah, not a child, and that's it. Like, I just for some like a great example. Again, I don't want to go back to this bloody club, and he wasn't a good signing for them. But last week, the Knights had a couple of injuries and they had to, you know, break the emergency glass and start Aiden Guerra. And, you know, my, my mate, I know people who weren't very excited about him starting and some Knights fans are chatting shit about it. But, you know, Aiden Guerra at this age, he can step in for a week and play 90 minutes and do a job. He understands what it takes to be a first grade footballer. He understands where he can push his body. You know, he goes out there, just does his job, had played really well. You know, it's, I'd like to have a, a safety net like that occasionally that's not just, hey, let's debut another, another child. Let's put another 19-year-old out there and see what happens. Yeah, we're just North Penrith. We are, we are. And that, and, you know, and Seabold is partly to blame for that too. I mean, his off-season signings are Brody Croft and Jesse Arthurs. And then Jamil Hopawadi. Hopawadi, oh God, he was bad. We'll talk about that. I, I was a Hopper believer, but I turned in that game quickly. <laughs> yeah, I loved we'll Hopper ever since I watched a live stream of a Q Cup game and he was on the feed, like, just bashing people in the chat. <laughs> ever since then, I've yeah. loved Hopper, but, you know... He went to piss this week. Yeah. He tries hard, but, uh, you know, it's just... 
I would have loved to see an experienced signing. This is his team, and he, he hasn't got. You know, as you said he's got, he's kept the guys he wants to keep. It's his squad. He made he made Glenn captain. He's kept Boyd in the starting side. That's on him. That's on nobody else. Yep. Right. Dw Kingston. What would need to happen in this game for you to remain optimistic for the rest of June? Oh, this, this is a good question. If you said the rest of the season, I would have said it'll be injuries. Players will come back, but the rest of the June is very relevant with the injuries we we rattled off earlier. I've got to see more from people who aren't Payne Haas in that forward pack. Like if Ethan Bullimore and Jumal Pilati have like six out of ten games on the edge, I'll be impressed. You know, if, and then if we get a bit of Lodge, who looks a little underdone, he's lost some weight too, but he only played 25 last week. We, we need him at the moment too. We need him playing 40 plus. But if we, can, if we can have some signs like that, I don't think we'll get any out of that back line. But if the forwards aim up and we only lose by 8 to 12, that's a positive to me. Yeah, this is the question I was talking about before. But even, like, you could lose by 14. Like, a score can, you can put a try or two on right at the end. The score looked different to how the game went. And, yeah, for me, it's not so much the score, but how the players are playing. Like, you can tell whether the players are putting in a proper effort and giving it a fair go. And, like, we've said it before, but that's just kind of what you want to see, really. Yeah, maybe, or maybe, like, defend more than one set in our try line ever. Hey, we did that for one time against Para. We defended like two sets in a row, and then the commentators went on and on about how good our scramble defense was, and that was the last of it. That's it. Um, also, by the way, um, you know we talk. They talk about on the on the uh, coverage. You said one good set, and they and they they praise us for that. I'd love to see us like I know completion rate's overrated, but I'd love to see this way. Can we get past like third tackle? Like maybe. You know, every second set. <laughs> Can we get past like third tackle and just see what happens and take pressure off ourselves? Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah. Uh, from Ridge underscore well, what do we think of the six again rule or even the one ref with lazy touches? Uh, I mean, it's it's a long way to go. And I think I've been painted like I'm hating. I enjoy rugby league and I probably have had some tweets that makes me feel like I hated this week. And I enjoyed rugby league coming back. I just don't think... <laughs> The game was a drastic changer, you know. For I don't think it was a, a massive drastic change for everything. If you get me, I think people see what they want to see. So if they want to see an improvement in it, they see that improvement. But I, yeah, I like. I don't really see a reason why less refs on the field makes faster football. Like I don't get why that is a thing. So yeah, for me. It doesn't really seem like the wrestle's gone and everything can be fine, and the storm will never like put another chicken wing on anybody. And roosters are going to stop giving away penalties on their own goal line. None of that's going to happen. They're all, the, the best roosters and storm are going to figure out a way to game this just as well as anyone, well better than anyone else. And people will complain about it soon enough. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it's still rugby league. We're all keen to come back. The rules over the next few weeks will see how it shapes out, but. You're thinking rugby, like footy coaches and teams won't figure out to get what they want out of this rule. You're thinking wrong. They've done it every rule ever. They'll find ways to abuse it. Um, RCG Kennedy, is Seabold the worst coach the Broncos have ever employed or does Griffin or Hanjack still hold that mantle? It's a, t- it's a tough one to call it yet because... Uh, I, you know, Griffin, they, Griffin made finals. Hanjack did well as well. But I do think the the Hen- is the Hanjack squad or the early Griffin squad pretty average compared to this. 
<laughs> I think one thing that makes me tip the scales towards Henjack at this moment is when you let Carmichael Hunt and Izzy Folau go and then you also like don't do what you need to do to get Inglis. Inglis. Yeah. Like if you if you either have to let Carmichael Hunt go and you can get Greg Inglis in, like I can live with that. But when you just bomb those three players who are like all times at their position, you got to do better than that. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, mate. So I think I think it's hard to beat Hand Jack. Like, they, yeah. I mean, Seabol's C- C- given it a fair shake of the sauce bottle, but we'll see how he is in a year or two. Yeah. Um, yeah. Last one here from Mister Underscore S Triple Eight. Uh, would you prefer the season to run as originally planned and our hopes inflated with a good record after the first four to six rounds and then crash into a depressing realisation of Seabol's ineptitude or would you prefer it come earlier in this new format? No, I, want the, I wanted to keep the original draw when we had the Titans and Panthers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd prefer to play the Titans myself than, you know, Parramatta and Roosters. Yeah, exactly. It's 100%, mate. And I mean... Obviously, with the cattle down, I'm not trying to avoid playing Parramatta and Roosters. Just the time it came out was was not perfect for us, and the Panthers were without Cleary. The Titans, I mean, without anything, would have been great to play those two. Yeah, right. That was the last one. I think we got one just just came in. I think the one about On Twitter wing. Yeah, one just came in. Oh, uh, oh yeah, here we go. Uh, what do you think of our options on the wing? Seems to be a bit of a weak area in the team. How do you rate our wing options compared to other teams like Power, Rooster, Storm, Canberra? And are there players you could realistically see in a strong finals comp winning the side? Like, sorry. Strong finals slash comp winning side. Uh, well, I, th- I don't think our wing options are that weak. I just don't think... you know Jesse Arthurs has been pretty good in terms of his effort. I just don't think he should be the starting winger. I don't think he's a natural winger. I think he's a centre who can play a bit of fullback. Like, been caught out of position a few times on the wing and both sides of the ball. But he, you know, he's put some hits on on defence there. He doesn't. He tries hard, so I don't dislike him. But I don't think he's the the greatest winger. Uh, but there is some talent there. Like, I think it's too early for Xavier Coates. I've said that before, and it's unfortunate Queensland Cup isn't on this year for him to develop some time. But there's he he's an option on the wing. I think Herbie's quite talented. He's another wing option. And and then, yeah, I think Jesse's the third one in that drop. But that that's a lot of wing options as is. Corey Oates is obviously going nowhere, you know, on the other wing there, even though, despite his form. That's plenty of options. Obviously, he doesn't always compare to Ferguson and Sevo or, or, or Daniel Tupo and Brett Morris. But, you know, that's the, I know we want to be those teams, but there's some areas you, you can't beat, you know, teams that are going to be better than us even in the salary cap league. But, they, yeah, I think it's a pretty decent batch of wingers, like, you look around the comp, you've got overrated frauds at the at the Rabbitohs, for example, like Campbell Graham, Dane Gagai, and Alex Johnson. I'd rather have our wingers. You know, the Cowboys have, what, Ben Hampton on a wing. I mean, please. And Kyle Felt. Yeah, I would prefer our wingers over most of the sides, I'd reckon. Um, yeah, and, the, you know, Titans have Anthony Don if he's fit, Phil Sami maybe, Brian Kelly this week, rotation. Dogs, I'm not even going to discuss it. Tigers have got Nofaluma, but Jennings sucks. Storm have Vunivalu and Adokar. That's good. Like, but that's it. Like, through most of these, we're near the top line at the top end of that. You know, Dragons have Pereira and Ravalava this week. Like, come on, they're not. It's not a bad pair of wingers or set of wingers. Sorry. Yeah, just okay. quickly on Arthur's too. I, yeah, I haven't minded him at all really this year, but 
it seems odd that he's like coming as like Seabold's favourite like son or something. I, I don't think he's there, but he's been solid, and you know whatever. Um, that was from uh, you and Thomas, you and underscore Thomas. I didn't don't think I read that out earlier, but yeah, yeah. Thanks and for that he's one. Got a, well, he's got a couple more questions there. We didn't cover the ones. The realistically, could you see these guys in a strong final, such comp, comp winning side? I think there's plenty of guys in our squad that could be in a competition winning side. You know, if you look through them, like look through that that squad when it's fully fit. You know, I know Oates is out of form, but he's one of them. Milford's one of them. Masako's one of them. Tessie Newey, I think, could be one of them. Uh, you've got well, Bird's not. He's won a comp, but he's not fit. Stags, if he fixes his defense, could be one of them. Easy, you know. And then you go to the forwards. I mean, the pack. You know, we've talked it up plenty. Like for Feeder, Flegler, Lodge. Uh, Pangai, Haas, that is a competition winning pack. It just needs to be bloody fit on oh, Carrigan as well. Like that, the pack is still the best young pack in the comp, one of the best packs in the comp. Yeah, I, I think so too. And one more question just came in. There we go. GM Walker says, is there a good player comp for Tessie Newey? What happens without exposing him until we had him locked up? Well, I believe Jeff, I do believe he has been locked up for a couple of years, or that'll be announced this week or next week. Um, I don't really like the play comparison things because we always seem to lean towards comparing guys to like all-time greats. You know, we were comparing them to... They got given the next Lockyer, for example. But it's like, you know, you're actually really happy with like the next Nigel Vangana. But no one's ever pulling that out of their ass, <laughs> you know? But I do think he's, he's got great potential as both a centre and, and a fullback. I really like him in the centres because he's one of those guys that really, he's really good at standing his man up. And offloading, but he does play more on the right where um, where Stags plays, so that so that's an issue. But I just want to see him in the seventeen at some point, and I'm guessing next year his his avenue into the side full time is is Darius Boyd's centre spot. But I'm not going to go out there and compare him to like Justin Hodges or Steve Renoff just because he's a centre. I don't actually know his player comparison. Tessie Newey is Tessie Newey. Yeah, as the only competent outside back in that bulldog side, I'd take a Nigel Vungana. Yeah, exactly. I think it's Tessie. I keep saying Newey. Well, I think it's actually Tessie New, but I have got, I haven't got used to it. it was te- they called him Tessie Newey when he when he first played like schoolboys and similar her, but I, th- I believe it's supposed to be New. I need to get used to saying Tessie New. My bad. Yep. Radio. Yeah. Well, that was that's the question. Third time lucky. That was the last one. <laughs> well, we may as well answer while they come in. So let's talk quickly about this disgraceful loss that we've kind of covered already, but. Uh, Anyway, Thursday night at Suncorp Stadium with, with not even cardboard figures in attendance at our game. Uh, Eels 34, Broncos 6. Uh, tries to Brisbane, just one for Brodie Croft. Jermaine Asako, one from one. Tries to Para, uh, Murata Neokore very early. Mike Acevo, Clinton Guffinson, Michael Jennings, Sean Lane, Wanga Blake, and Mitch Moses kicked five from six in, uh, I wouldn't say an absolute hammering, <laughs> Even the scoreline says that but, that, but it was absolute hammering. Screw it, I'll just say it. Yeah, I mean, well, as we said, half time we went down. We could have been up if we scored those two tries. Yeah. And you just like, like you just kind of think you're still in it, but also, we when we have these games where we bomb tries over the line, we never, like, there's never a game where we bomb two tries and we end up winning the game. That doesn't happen. So once you start bombing those, you just know you're done. Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't got the numbers again now. I need to look at that again. But I was keeping tally last year of the amount of times you dropped the ball in the end goal. Like, in the end goal. And it was like seven or eight times. And we did it twice in this game. And, like, 
you know, you bomb those two. We didn't deserve those tries really on the run of play. We could have gone in at half time up 18 12. But yeah, the first half wasn't too bad, but that second half was an absolute disgrace. And I, and I don't like blaming individual players solely, but like, could Tony Staggs or Jamil Halpawati hang your heads in shame in that second half, eh? Yeah, Staggs had a Barry Crocker. He had like one good run all game. Um, yeah. But even like, that, I, f- I forget the name of the bloke, the guy who scored the Parramatta's first try. Near Cora, yeah. And oh, that was bad. That one was just shocking. And then Jennings had one where he ran like infield and just like straight up the middle again. And you just... We had, I think there was one kind of passage of play where they got maybe one or two repeat sets and we actually scrambled and defended well. And, you know, Vossi was going on about how good the scramble defense was. And like they have that in them, but then we concede tries just from a hit up from a, a forward. And you're like, how are you... Con- That's like Josh King at the Knights conceding tries kind of stuff. How are you doing that? Why well, work so hard and concede like that? And that was only three minutes in. It was just turning a forward back underneath. The Jennings one, I kind of understand because it was so... The game, had, you know, they've been defending for so long. 62nd minute. Jake Turpin was really tired in the middle. I can kind of understand that one. But the Corey one, as you said, is embarrassing. But that second half, mate, like, we completed five sets... 40 minutes, we got to the last tackle on five sets. Yeah, and then uh, there was the other one, the one Sean Lane scored, where they spread the ball across out to that side and he gets the mm-hmm. one-on-one against Staggs. But the contact Staggs makes, he's like on his on his heels, takes the contact and a metre out from the try line. Like, how are you ever going to try to stop somebody when you don't push up off your try line and you make contact like as you're standing flat-footed? You're not going to stop <laughs> A second rower from running over you doing that. Yep. And speaking of stags, mate, like it's time. Like again, I rate Katoni Stags, and I and I I like Katoni Stags. He's a great prospect, but it's got boys. We've got to pour some water on these goddamn hype flames. He's not that good. He's a very good, very good ball runner. As you said, he had a good one in this game. He's very good close to the goal line and given opportunity. Very good with the ball in hand, but off the ball, man, he he is embarrassing. He might, he's he's probably the worst defender in our back line, and he's worse than Jimmy the Jet. I don't care what anyone says defensively. In this second half, I've got some play-by-play minute stuff here, but 43rd minute, he has a fault for a try. He had a try cause. 48th minute, he dropped the ball on our own half. 43rd minute, he gave a penalty away. 40, 57th minute, missed a tackle. 61st minute, dropped the ball on our own half. Seven seconds after that, in the 60th minute, he gave that dumb penalty away and got suspended for this week. Six minutes later, 60th minute, he missed a tackle and then led to a try. And then 70th minute, again, dropped the ball. Like, that's like a 30-minute period of absolute hell. And people just block, cover their eyes and ignore it and keep rapping him. And you got people calling him a kangaroo center that night because of that one run. Like, calm the hell down. Let him develop. I know um, your favorite analysis is using super coach points, but surely he ended up on negative for that performance. He he didn't, I don't think, but yeah, not great. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, like four errors and two penalties conceded from a from a, from a centre. That is a lot of negative play from a guy who's not involved that often. Yeah, like oh, oh, as you said, we're big fans of the guy, and you love watching all the good stuff he does. But yeah, he, he does need to just. It's not really like grow up that he's doing like stupid things based on like brain snaps, you know, like, but just, I, I don't know, I don't know what the word is really, but just kind of like settle into a first grade role, learn 
that there's more to football than just you know fending off some people and running with the ball. Yeah, he needs to he needs to com- stop compounding his errors. I mean, Topanga's a hothead too, right? But it's not very often you'll see Pangai do three awful things in two minutes. <laughs> you know, like Stags can pound on his errors. And, and then you've got to, exactly, if you want to have the ball, you know, if you want to get the ball, have nice attacking runs and all that kind of thing, you have to earn the right for that. And you earn that right by, de- by defending hard on your end, working hard in yardage, respecting possession. You get de- that from your end of the field. That's where it starts. And it, and it feels like with Kearney Stags, the raps on Stags have started from the finish. Oh, he's good in the trial and he scores tries, he runs well. He's best. It's like, no, wind it back a little. He's too many holes in, in, on the basic level of his game. Like, our defence looks as bad as it did when Nick Arima on that edge at the moment. Maybe worse. Teams are cutting us up down that side and a lot of it's Katoni's defensive decisions. Yeah, yep. Yeah, and then, oh God. And Jamil, like, I thought Hopper, he ripped in really early. But this was the, that was a game that... I know he plays middle and reserve grade, but he looked like a, a genuine reserve grader. Hey, he had six runs for 56 metres, but he also made three errors. One of the errors, that one where he fumbled the ball to himself and had a look whilst fumbling the ball. Embarrassing. Yeah, it's just... What else can you say about the game? It's the whole thing's a disaster. Yeah, I mean, they outgained us, what, 2,307 metres... So 316 metres, sorry, to 1,309 metres. 1,000 more metres than us. They had 16 more minutes in possession. They completed 36 sets to our 20 sets, but they had 49 sets to our 32. They had seven line breaks to our two. Like, they just murdered us. They had 200 more kick return metres than us as well, so the returning kick's better. Just terrible. It's all over the park terrible. Yeah, like, you play like that again, Roosters will put 60 on you. That's it, and then just like we're in the game at half time too. That's that's the killer. That, yeah, it was six twelve. That yeah, that's the thing. You, it was six twelve. We'd bomb two tries. That game's not over yet, but we came out in the second half like it was. Yeah, and then the only guy again who's like you know, well, this is the one person I guess we'll talk about like the the athletic freak, the, the man we know that Payne Haas there, like the one guy still going one out till the end. He somehow had 18 runs for 196 metres. I have no idea how he had more than 10 metres a run, considering how fast the power line was up. Then he had 49 tackles with one miss. Like He was an absolute machine, again, in that middle. And it's like, maybe let's stop relying on him to be the one to carry this goddamn side every week. It's going to wear him out if he has to keep doing it. That's it, man. Like, Tamalolo seems to keep carrying the Cowboys fine, so maybe he'll be okay too. Well, we're just lucky he defies belief like he, at, at his age to keep turning up like this every week. We're just lucky for that, that he keeps turning up. Because even other guys like, you know, Joe O's been in first grade for yonks now and he still can't turn up on a weekly basis. Oh, we've seen so many forwards, like, they can have one game like this when they're young and then they go six weeks and they, they put games where it's in, like, you know, four runs and 30 metres. And, like, that's their game the week after they have one of these great games. And Haas is just every week shows up and just mm. dominates. That's it, man. I know. If, I know he got put on the edge, but he played an entire half right. And Ethan Bullmore touched the ball once. So, mate, you, you're freshest than everyone else around you. You get in there and make a yardage ca- a carry. You cap. Oh, I just. <laughs> so if you're if you play a whole half of football and you touch the ball once, like what are you doing when your team has the ball? How do you? That's it. <laughs> I don't know. I get. I know we're defending a lot, but one touch. Go, like. Justin Hodges, when he played centre, he would go infield, get the ball, go for a dummy half run to help out the team. Like, 
other players do this. You should be doing that. You should be, and especially when on the other side of the field, Katoni and Jamil are having, having absolute stinkers. Run over there and go, you know what, I'll take this one. I'll take this carry out of yardage. Because in yardage, positions don't really matter that much. You just go over and you, and you carry, take a carry. Yeah, you just want to be back in position by the time you're kicking and, yeah, that's it. and chasing that kick. But... And, that, and he's starting this week. And, you know, again, I feel for him because, you know, he's like the sixth-choice back rower. It's not where he, wa- where he wants to be. But now we're relying on him to start against the Roosters. That's... Uh... That's great. And there was a four-metre run, too. He's one touch, by the way. I'm not even sure. Maybe it was like he dove on a ball or something. <laughs> Solid. Um, yeah. I guess the one bright spot we had was, like, Brody Croft just burning Gutherson around the outside. I, yeah. I don't know how Gutherson ever is. A, how do you not, like, cut that off? But, it's, yeah, that's about the only happy thing in the game. How about Gutherson getting three Dalian points in this game? <laughs> <laughs> Mate, Gutherson's so good. He makes Brody Croft look capable. So that's that's how you get points. You, you know, you yeah. make your teammate, you make the other players on the field better. Yeah, but the rest of that, I thought Croft was really poor. The rest of the game, hey, like, yeah, we all spoke about we signed up this game manager and people are happy with that one run. Yeah, it was a cool run, but it's like, where was he the rest of the goddamn game? Supposed to be steering the boys around. Apparently, he's a game manager and he's the captain again this week. And you know, I didn't, I didn't see any any sign of game management outside of poor kicking on the last tackle. And that's not what being a game manager is. He should have his hands on the ball, steering him around. He should be talking a back play. I saw absolutely none of that. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, if we wanted someone to throw a dummy, run themselves, and put up weak midfield bombs, we should have just kept Ben Hunt. So that's it, mate. Be- oh, mate, it's Cody. You know, we should have just kept Cody. <laughs> that, that he does have the weaker midfield bomb of the three. Oh, you know what kills me, by the way. I know George Williams wanted to come and play for Wayne for like three years ago, and we said no, whatever, but it's just like, oh, he can immediately be good, and we'd have stuck with the shit halves forever. <laughs> That's it. <sighs> yep. <laughs> it's great. Okay, yeah, I've just seen the Ethan Bullmore one run. I pulled it up while we were talking, and he just gets absolutely murdered by three guys, and, I, and then for about five minutes into the second half, probably why he didn't run the ball again. <laughs> <laughs> Good, good. Yeah. Okay, Righto. let's move on from this depressing game, hey. Yeah. Like, there's not, not much else to get out of it. No, let's move on to a more depressing game. Yeah, here we go. So, this Thursday night, another bloody Thursday, so I can ruin your, your full weekend. 7.50pm, <laughs> the Brisbane Broncos take on the Sydney Roosters at Suncorp Stadium. History between the two sides. I mean, they've played a lot. We have a winning record. But it's 54 games played, and the Broncos have won. What have we won here? Sorry, uh, 31 to 20 with a draw, uh, with a couple of draws there, three draws in there. That might be wrong. It feels like that's wrong. But anyway, the Broncos team, Simo. Right, yeah. So at fullback, we got Jermaine Asako. Uh, on the left edge will be Corey Oates and Darius Boyd inside him. On the right, Herbie Farnworth on the wing, and Jesse Arthurs gets shot at centre with Stags out. Uh, the halves, Anthony Milford, Brady Croft. Front row of Thomas Flegler, Payne Haas, and Jake Turpin is named at hooker, but not so sure about that one. Uh, second row, Ethan Bullimore, Jamil Hopawati, and Patrick Carrigan, the lock. Tessie New, Joe Offengawi, Reese Kennedy, and Matty Lodge on the interchange. And reserves, Corey Pakes, Xavier Coates, Tom Dearden, and oh, Pride Peterson Robati. I was not, it, not prepared for that name at the end of the page here. Yeah. So, anyway, over to the Roosters' side. And now we know those guys off suspensions. So, probably 1-17. to 17. So, we've got James Tedesco at fullback. 
Daniel Tupo on the left wing with Brett Morris on the right. Uh, Josh Morris left centre, Joseph Manu right centre, uh, Luke Keery and Cole Flanagan in the halves, the front row, JWH and Lindsay Collins with Jake Friend at hooker, the back row, Boyd Cordner to score one of his millionth tries against the Broncos and Angus Crichton with Victor Radley at lock, the bench, Sam Verrills, Isaac Liu, Nat Butcher, Satili Tupanua, and the reserves are CSCY, Takiaho, who might come into the side, Mitch Orbison, Ryan Hall and Lachlan Lamb. Yeah, so it's good to see their full strength with uh, guys returning from injury. <laughs> just this is exactly when you want to get the Roosters right, right here. When they're vulnerable. Yeah. When they don't, it's it's an ambush. <laughs> um, uh, so if you don't know, by the way, I don't know if you would have, how you missed this, but Boyd Cordner likes scoring tries against the Broncos. It's his only club with a really good try scoring record. He's got but in his history against us. He has, I think, it's eight tries in eleven games. Yeah, eight tries in 13 games. He has no more than six tries against other teams, but most teams is four or less. Loves a try against us. Running at a Hopawati, you know, this feels like that's, that's a bit of a lock, if you ask me. But over on the Broncos side, mate, you mentioned there, it looks like Jake Turpin's probably out and Corey Pakes comes into nine. It's a real tough ask, mate, to ask a, a young hooker to debut. And it's a transitional hooker, too. He was a, he's a half the whole way through the grades. For him to debut... Starting the nine against the Roosters, and there's 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 nobody else. If you look at that, maybe Tom Dearden comes onto the bench, but I I just can't see how you could go into the game expecting eighty out of him. If you ask me, you've got to find a way to give someone else thirty minutes of that. Yeah, like it's a hard one because normally you might go for Alec Glenn for some of that, like mm. he could play thirty minutes at hooker, but obviously he's not there. I mean. I don't. I, I'm looking through this team list up and down, and there's nobody I would want to play 30 minutes at a hooker. I know. It's like, is it Tom Dearden? Like, does he come on the bench with Reese Kennedy? And you just split the game down the middle, like both just do what you can. Yeah. Um, again, it's a smart Roosters team who love hitting the A gap behind the ruck. They love going back at the ruck. They'll make Pakes work, and then they'll hit the edges after that. Like. I just ask you, maybe he can do it 80 minutes there I mean Chris Randall pretty much did it last week for the Knights but it's just a tough ask yeah like and you see like Turpin first game up playing 80 minutes like he's now out he had soreness and potentially a, a proper injury now too like playing 80 minutes not I mean more and more hookers kind of have to do it but it's not an easy task to get people to do no it's not at all like I mean, we've got Kobe Hetherington, I guess, is the last guy left. Who's like another backup hooker. Maybe he gets a shot off the bat. Maybe he gets brought in as a, if they let us get a proven emergency. I don't know, but it, it's not pretty. You have that, then you've got Bullmore on the edge of Hopawati. As I mentioned, the experience in this side, like Hopawati is his fourth first grade game. Bullmore's, was it third first grade game or fourth first grade game? I think he's, he's uh, third coming up. You got Herbie Farmworth and Jesse Arthur's on on one edge, with Brody Croft defensively there. It's like it's just just like as you said, you'd be happily earlier, happily to take like a gritty loss. Yeah, I'd I'd love a gritty loss. Like, I mean, obviously you want to win, but if we keep it less than twenty points, I'll be surprised. Yeah, same. And I know like this Roosters side played really well last week, but they weren't looking to finish product yet because um. I don't think Koff Lanigan's doing the job they want. But yeah, Tedesco is there, dangerous as we know. The back line looks great again with the bloody both Morris twins because of course they fall into that. 
And then a forward pack will probably, you know, we, we can probably still duke it out with the forward pack in the middle a little, but they're going to hammer us on those edges. Like Boyd Corner might get 20-odd carries and just hit, run at Croft and, and hop wide the entire game. Yeah. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't have a Holly Bellster for this one. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what people want from this year. <laughs> yeah. Um, though, I am just putting a multi together now. We've got... Boyd Corden to score two or more tries, plus James Tedesco anytime try scorer, is paying $64. Jesus, that Teddy one's not bad. Teddy, yeah, Teddy's paying $1.91 for anytime try scorer. Oh, that's not bad at all. I mean, well, I'm just, Stags I'm, isn't there, but if you want to, get, if anyone on the left side of their field, just get on them. <laughs> um, I want to try to get like Roosters over 37.5 with a minus 7.5 star. I oh, won't let me put that in a multi. No, you can you can same game it, can't you? Well, again, I don't know. Like, I mean, I haven't bet on NRL in like six years, so um, I don't know if you, what you can do. But yeah, I'm sure you can same game something like that, can't you? I might chuck Brett Morris. He plays on the left. Yeah, he does. Yeah, if I chuck him on as an anytime try scorer, it goes up to one hundred and forty-one dollars. We might chuck <laughs> might chuck a couple on that. What's two boats? Two dollars anytime try. What are we doing here? Put him in as well, and it goes to three hundred and one for a full leg multi. It's a certainty. <laughs> well, I mean, and, and exactly, it literally can't lose. Yeah, I'm going to pay off my house with this weekend. <laughs> Superb. Uh, well, at least uh, I guess on one of the main hopes of this game is that maybe the Roosters turn up fatigued. I know they got to fly in, fly out with the coronavirus uh, uh, rules, the restrictions, but maybe they turn up fatigued. Who knows? Hey, something good old classic Suncorp ambush we saw at work last week. <laughs> we warned them last week though. that was the problem <laughs> well see we haven't warned them they don't know it's coming that's it we might get them okay well I think that's the podcast I've got nothing else to say yeah. you don't either I'm done righto see you okay we'll, we'll see you all next week deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.